to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you. Do you know that this is the final Sunday before the second half of the year? This is like the last Sunday of the first half of the year. And it's amazing. Half the year has gone by. Wow. And, and it, it felt like Christmas was just yesterday. But you know, I like to take stock of my life whenever you know, it's uh, like mid-year or every quarter and uh, reflect on you know, what's really important. I mean, and so I was just praying about what to share. And I want to share with you a message that's very close to my heart. When, when I was growing up, I think this message made an impact on my life. I put it back out. I was, a, I, I, I was a young person. I wasn't even a pastor yet. And I, and, and I heard this message from my pastor. And uh, it shaped my Christian life uh, when I was a young person. And I want to share that with, with you. Hopefully, I'll do a, as good a job as uh, he did when I was a young person. But otherwise, it will sound like me. Uh, but I b- believe it's very powerful. And if you can just grab what I want to say this morning, I believe you, it, it will change your life. Amen? It will change your life. Uh, there are two ways we can uh, speak. And of course, we embrace both here. We can speak from mind to mind. And uh, that's always good. We want to learn something from God's Word. Uh, but we can also, also speak from heart to heart. And this morning, that, 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 that's what I want to do with all of us. I, I want to speak from my heart to your heart. And hopefully we can uh, all get the heart of God from this message. Amen. So let's uh, turn our Bibles to John chapter 12. And uh, I've got no notes this morning, just Bible verses. In fact, just one passage. We'll read that and then we'll just uh, do uh, you know, some explanation. But I entitled my talk this morning, The Proper Response. The Proper Response. And the reason why I want to talk about the proper response is because it has always been my heart's desire to respond properly to the Lord. Always been as, as, as a young person to respond correctly, properly to the Lord in every circumstance, in every situation. Yeah. I mean, no matter how uh, terrible or how good uh, a life we go through, it's my prayer that I'll respond rightly to the Lord. So let's pray before we start. Father, we thank you for this morning. We just ask God that you will uh, just use me, God, to communicate truth to the people. We pray, God, that in the midst, God, of all my words, God, that, that God, that your people will learn the rima, that they will hear your voice. Father, we thank you for this morning. We just give all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Let's read John 12. Uh, verses 20, 20 to, to 33 on the screen, please. And now amongst those who went up to, to worship at, at the feast, okay, yeah, were some Greeks. All right. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the, into the earth and dies, it remains alone. And if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then, then, then the voice came from, uh, from, 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 from heaven. I've glorified it, and I will glorify it again. And the crowd that, that stood there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. I want to talk to you about the proper response. And just to give you a quick background to this story, the circumstance of this story is very interesting. Certain Greeks had come to see Jesus, and as they came, they went to Philip, and Philip went and told Andrew, and together they went to see Jesus. And as they came to Philip, they said, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And now some commentators say that that involved a desire to be introduced to, uh, to Jesus, to get to know Him personally. And I pray that this is the desire of our hearts in this church, that every Sunday as we gather, our hearts cry is that we want to see Jesus. More than just a great sermon, more than to see our friends and our life group, I pray that the primary reason why we gather as a church is that we want to see Jesus. Amen. We want to see Jesus glorified. We want to see Jesus working amongst us. We want to see Jesus transforming lives in and through this church. This is the cry of uh, the people's heart. We want to see Jesus. And so they came and told this to Jesus. And all of a sudden, in this story, Jesus had this internal realization that the time of his death was fast approaching. For, for some reason, when these Greeks want to see Jesus, Jesus had this revelation that my death is fast approaching. And I believe the reason why is because the Father must have directed the Son and said that when the Greeks come to us to see you, that's the beginning of uh, the end of your earthly ministry. Because nothing that Jesus did uh, was by chance. Everything that he did was led by the Father. Are you with me? And so in this story, when the Greeks came to Jesus, Jesus realized that his end is fast approaching. His death is beforehand. All right, so in verse 24, Jesus said these words, Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now I believe verse 24 is one of the most important, if not the most important verses that every believer must understand. This is, the, this is a pivotal verse of the Christian faith. And understanding this verse properly and accurately in a practical way is fundamental in the life of the Christian. So it's hard for us to overstate the significance of this verse. And whenever you see these words most assuredly or truly, truly, you need to know that it's translated Amen and Amen. It's a solemn oath and it has to do with the difficulty that Jesus has in getting His disciples to understand the significance of His death. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. A few years ago, there was an article that had to do with opening a tomb of an ancient Egyptian king. And as they opened the tomb, they found it to be fairly undisturbed. And they got into the tomb and found a jar with wheat. And that wheat was something like 5,000 years old. And everyone was so excited about the wheat because the strange thing was, it was intact in that dry 
place, absence of hue, of um, moisture after all these years. So they took the wheat and carefully planted it, and they planted that 5,000 years old wheat. And what was surprising is that there came up a whole new strain of wheat which we had not known before. I believe this is called the King Toots wheat. So I was just doing some study, and it's called the King Toots wheat. And I, wheat, not, not witch, wheat. All right, and this story basically reinforces what Jesus was saying when he said, if the wheat is not buried, it, re- it remains by itself. And this is the basic principle of the kingdom of God, and it has to do with the fact that, that unless a grain of wheat is buried, it doesn't bear forth much fruit. So verse 24 talks about the grain of wheat, and verse 25, Jesus made a commentary on the previous verse. So let's have a look at what Jesus said. Verse 25, please. Next verse. And and it says here, verse 25, excuse me. And and it says, whoever loses his life loses, uh, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So verse 25 is actually a commentary that Jesus made on verse 24. And now loving our life simply means we will not let it go. We will not surrender it to the Lord. And Jesus says something like this. That unless we learn to let go of our lives, we will lose it. What will we lose? We will lose the opportunity to experience true, abundant, eternal life. And if you read the passage in context, a life with feeding quality. Now, a wheat by itself doesn't fulfill our hunger, right? It's just one wheat. But unless the wheat falls to the ground and dies, it doesn't bear fruit. But when it dies, it's buried, up come kernels and grains of wheat. And that's when our lives take on feeding quality. And I pray this morning that you understand this principle. Unless our lives, like a grain of wheat, fall to the ground and die, we will remain all by ourselves. Our impact will be limited. But unless we allow God to bury our lives, unless we let our lives fall to the ground and die, we will not make any difference in this world. Amen? And so in this passage, we see two simple prayers. This is very interesting. Two simple prayers. In verse 27 and verse 28, there are two prayers, and they are so significant that if you understand their difference, it will change your life and the way you respond to God. So let's look at these two verses. All right, 27, 28. There are two prayers here, right? Jesus said, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. That's the first prayer. Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I've come to this hour. Next verse, please. Father, glorify your name. There are two prayers in this passage. The first prayer is, Father, save me from this hour. In the message translation, it actually reads, Father, get me out of this. And verse 28, Father, glorify your name. In the message translation, it says, Father, put your glory on display. Now, it is very important, church, for us to understand this, that God the Father, listen carefully, can and will answer both prayers. He will. As we go through life, I believe these are two prayers that we pray all the time. In fact, most of us are inclined to pray the first prayer, right? Father, save me from this hour. Father, get me out of this. And the Father will answer that prayer. In fact, it's important for us to know that if Jesus had prayed, Father, save me from this hour, that God would have done that. The Father would have sent legions of angels to rescue Him from the cross. He could have prayed that. 
It was very clear that he could have saved his life from the cross. And so we have to understand that ultimately when Jesus died on the cross, it was because he chose to. He wanted to. Not because he had no choice. But the other prayer was, Father, glorify your name. Now in verse 27, there was a little phrase there. It says, and my soul is troubled. Now in the message translation, it says, right now I'm storm-tossed. I love it. I'm storm-tossed. I'm being tossed around in the storm. And the Bible translators uh, basically was explaining what Jesus, Jesus was going through. And this probably happened in the Garden of Gethsemane before his betrayal. And the Greeks came wanted, wanted to, to see Jesus. And Jesus said, the grain of wheat. And he had this revelation that uh, his life is coming to an end. And it was in that moment that there was a momentarily apprehension. Jesus knew that before him was the difficult journey of the cross. But did Jesus pray the first prayer? Did Jesus say, Father, save me from this hour? No. But Jesus included that in, in there because he wants us to learn a lesson. It was a working illustration. Father, save me from this hour has got nothing to do with saving his life. Preserving his life. It had to do with keeping the grain of wheat and preventing it from being buried in the earth. But Jesus' prayer was, Father, glorify your name. He was prepared to embrace whatever it was that was the Father's will, even if it meant his death. And that thing that motivated Jesus more than anything else was the fact that the Father would be glorified. I, I want to speak to you this morning on these two prayers. The first prayer is, Father, save me from this hour. The second prayer is, Father, glorify your name. Now, in life, we're always faced with choices, especially when we go through challenging times. The Bible tells us that trials would come to us unannounced. And in a trial or in a challenging circumstance, we have a choice. It's either we pray, Father, save me from this hour, and the Father will. Because he's a good God. But we, but we can either pray that or we can say, Father, glorify your name. Glorify your name. And when Jesus responded with the, letter prayer, with the, with the second prayer, two things happened in this story. Do you know two things happened in this story? The first thing was, the Bible tells us that the Father responded with a voice thundering from heaven. The Bible says, some said it thundered. The Father responded. He basically thundered from heaven. I'll glorify it and I'll glorify it again. And the second thing was, the Bible tells us in, in the next verse, and Satan is being cast down. See, friends, our response matter. If we respond with the first prayer, the Father will rescue us. We will go through our trial. We will come out. The, the Lord will, would, would rescue us and we will come out fine. But if we responded, Father, glorify your name, two things happened. Number one, the Father will respond to you with joy. The Father will come to you with gladness because that's what He wants. He is looking for people who's after His glory. Um, amen. And then the second thing is that, the, that Satan would be cast down. He would, he would be cast down. See, the first response was natural. And I believe most of us in this room has prayed that prayer before and when we go through a challenging time, when our business is going through you know, a bump on the road, when our relationships with our family members, with our spouses are going through a challenging trial, 
when we receive a report from doctor that's not so favorable, when we go to work one morning and receive a pink slip, we all, we all go through trials and, usual, and our natural response is, Father, save me! That's normal. But I believe what God is looking for in our lives is a supernatural response. Amen? It's a response that, like Jesus, we said, Father, glorify your name. What, what will you do if you're like the father who loves his family with five kids, woke up one morning, the sun shining, the birds chirping, he brushes teeth, kisses kids goodbye, left the house, took a bus, went to work, sits down, and he pulls out his entry, and in there was a letter, right, that looks pink. He pulls it out, he opens it, and he was retrenched from his job. At that moment, his hands were trembling, and he was wondering in, in, his, in his mind, what shall I do? It's easy for us at that point in time to say, Father, save me. With a pink slip, he took a deep breath. He left his cubicle, went to his car. His mind was racing. He was wondering, should I call my wife? Should, should, I, you know, uh, should I go to my pastor? What should I do? And so in the, in the car, he leaned back, and he said, what shall I do? I believe at that point in time, all hell would, would break loose. All hell would break loose. I believe at that point in time, Satan would work overtime. I believe at that point in time, the devil would come and saw all kinds of thoughts, like, you're a father of five. You're losing your job. How will you pay for the tuition? How would you, uh, how would you provide for your wife? In fact, your wife would be upset. In fact, your wife would, would regret marrying you because... Whereas you worry, as you are anxious, the problem gets bigger. Satan gets to work overtime whenever we go through a challenging time. And at a point in time, the father could pray, Father, save me from this hour. And guess what? The father would. But can I su- suggest to you this morning that the right response, the proper prayer it's not, Father, save me, but Father, glorify your name. Amen? Father, glorify. Because the second response is a supernatural one. It's a supernatural one. Uh, the reason why I share this message is because as I was growing up, there were times when you know, I have prayed the first prayer. Especially when I felt... Uh, misunderstood, when, when, when I felt lost, when I felt helpless, when, I, when everything goes wrong in my life. Why? Father, save me. But there were moments when I learned to pray, Father, glorify your, your name. I walk around and I say, God, it's not about me. It's not, it's not about how I'm feeling. It's about your, your glory. Whatever we do in this life is for the glory of God. That my response would determine you know, my, my growth and my, and my maturity. That people would see Jesus in me. Because you know, Jesus didn't respond, save me. Jesus said, Father, I want, your li- I want my life to glorify you. And, I, and Paul had the same prayer. Paul said that Christ may be magnified through me. Yes. May be magnified through me. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is David. And that's a very interesting verse in 1 Samuel chapter 18. And can we just turn to it? It's not in my notes, but I thought, you know, this is a very interesting verse. 
1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 14, as you are turning there, this verse says, And David behaved himself wisely in, in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. But the next verse is very interesting. Verse 15 says, Wherefore, when Saul saw that he behaved himself very wisely, he was afraid of him. Saul wasn't afraid of David because of his uh, physical strength, the fact that he killed Goliath with a slingshot. Saul wasn't afraid of David because he had the people's support. Paul, Saul wasn't afraid of David because you know, of uh, his military wisdom and his might. Saul was afraid of David because he behaved himself wisely. What is behavior? Behavior is simply your response. And you know, I know that Andre has been talking a lot about how do we live in, a, in, 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 in this world. He has got a way of saying it. You know, this is uh, how do you, what's the first message? Uh, I was trying, how do you behave basically, right? So, and, so, and so I thought to myself, how do we respond as Christians in a world that's always reacting? Do you know that we are, we are, that our tendency is reactive in nature? We, we, we react. When, you know, when something goes wrong, our, we, we, we react. Our first reaction, fight, push back, flight, flee. All right, this, this is psychology, right? Uh, we either fight or we, or we freeze or we, fl- or we flee. In this world, we're always reacting. But a right behavior, the right response is not reacting to circumstance, but responding in the right way. Responding in the right way. And from our passage in John chapter 12, Jesus is showing us what the right response is. It's not to flee, but to embrace the trial that we are in. And in that trial, to say, God, I want this to bring you glory more than my own comfort, more than my uh, more than my you know own rescue. I want this to be about your glory. Likewise with David, David behaved himself wisely even when he was attacked by Saul. David didn't kill Saul. David simply honored Saul's kingship. He behaved himself wisely. How does that apply to us in your workplace? When you've got a difficult boss who's always breathing down your throat, who seems to be biased against you, do you go around and start gossiping, try to pull people to your side? Or will you behave rightly? Will you respond by saying, God, glorify your name in this? What about in a marriage when you are in strife, pushing your own rights and saying, I'm right in this matter and save me from this marriage, God. Or do you say, Father, glorify your son, glorify your name in me. I'll turn the other cheek. I'll respond wisely. Respond wisely. There's a phrase there that says, for this purpose I have, I have come. What's the purpose that what, what, what's the purpose that Jesus was talking about? It's for the 
It's for the purpose of glorifying the Father. It's not just even going through through the cross. It's not about dying for our sin. When Jesus talked about for this purpose I've come, what was he referring to? The purpose of glorifying his daddy God. Not for his own comfort or for, you know, delivering us from, that's all part of his purpose. His purpose on the earth is to bring God the Father all the glory that he deserves because the first man has completely ruined it. Because Adam has spoiled the storyline, our purpose in life, the reason why we are made is because we can bring, is to bring God pleasure and glory, Amen. And that can only come when we respond and not react. When we say, God, glorify your name in whatever that we are going through. And when we respond in that manner, a few things happen. From this, if you read this story in context, that response basically triggers a kingdom reality. That is your life now. It's like the grain of wheat that falls through the ground and it starts uh, to die. Is, is, isn't that what David, isn't that what Paul said when he said, I die daily? Do you know every single day presents you an opportunity to die? Every single day. And I tell you, Paul wasn't referring to the fact that, you know, we are aging every day, right? He's actually saying that, you know, every day we are dying a little bit to ourselves. Every day we are dying a little bit to our own rights and our own wants. What's the reason for strife in the marriage? Self. What's the, what's the reason for competition you know, uh, and comparison in school and in the workplace uh, amongst parents? Self. What's the, what's the reason why churches are always comparing who is bigger? Self. But every single day, we have an opportunity to die. I'm proud of this man. You know, because... You know, I'm trying to gather different pastors and, you know, we were talking about transition, church, and all these were mega church pastors. Like, you know, we were going, we were going around and one guy said, uh, how many members do you have in your church? 15,000, 3,000, 4, it's a small group, yeah. It's only like six, seven pastors in that room. 1,000 and then on race 10, we are 200 people. At a point in time, he could have inflated our numbers a little bit, or about 285. <laughs> but he chose to respond. Not in, his, not in self-preservation, you know, but saying, God, this is an opportunity for me to die a little bit to myself. <laughs> and I know in that room that day, I knew, because I've, I've led churches before, I knew in that room that day, a little bit of Andre Tanmite, a little bit. <laughs> and, do you, and do you know what? The next time, in a setting like that, he won't have a problem saying well, 100 people. And, and the third time, it gets easier. The fourth time, it gets easier. Why? Because the need for recognition because of the size of the church is dying. Bit by bit, little by little by little, and that's and that's and that's the only reason in time why God can use this church, because it's no longer about us trying to show the world how big we are, but it's us living authentically and living real, and that's and that's and that's when the grain of wheat falls to the ground and die, and that's how we can produce more fruit. Amen. 
I'm trying to preach to you from my heart. Same in a fight. Same in sibling rivalry. Same in a marriage. Why can't we allow God to kill us a little bit every day? A little bit, bit by bit. Why can't we turn the other cheek and say, I think you are right. I'm sorry. Why can't amongst us, we stop striving and embrace you know, whatever that, that, that God wants to do within us and said, you are right. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. In the workplace, it's the same. <laughs> See, when the child of God responds correctly, every single time, when we say, Father, glorify your name in this crisis, in this trial, in this conflict, Father, glorify your name. In this setback, Father, glorify your name. The grain of wheat just falls a little deeper and, and, and the soil starts to cover it, starts to cover it. And more and more, your life gets hidden with Christ in God. More and more, you know, it's no longer about you. More and more, it's no longer about whether people recognize you, whether people see you, whether people will give you all the accolades and the praises. Your, your identity is no longer about you being the grain of wheat. Your identity right now is I'm, I'm willing to be hidden together with Christ and to be buried together with Him so that when Christ gets risen, we get risen together with Him. That's the reality of baptism. It's not, just for, it's not just for your own personal life. It's also for this church. Are we willing to be hidden together with Christ in God? Are we? That's our purpose, to glorify the Father. <laughs> when, the, when the seed is willing to fall to the ground and die, at the right time, the Father will answer that prayer and let it drop into the ground and where it remain buried. All of a sudden, there is no more sunshine. It is dropped down into a dark, lonely, strange place. What has happened? The Christian, you and me, ask for fruitfulness. God, I want my life to be productive. I want to bear fruit for your glory. You said in your word that I'm to be more fruitful. God, that's my prayer. You have asked for it. The Christian asked for fruit, but now he's on a strange path. Sunshine is gone. All, all companions are slowly being stripped away. One by one, things are stripped away from his life. His outer coverings begin to disintegrate, isolation and darkness all around him. And he doesn't understand why this is happening to him. Trampled upon the earth, buried and out of sight. That's what we talked about. St. John of the Cross calls it the dark night of the soul. And once you were so admired, how the others looked up to you for counsel, for advice. But... Now it has been forgotten, isolated. Does this remind you of some Bible characters like Job, like Joseph, like Daniel, like Paul, and many of the Old Testament prophets? What is God doing? He's answering our prayer to be fruitful. You prayed for fruitfulness, for fruitfulness and this is the answer to your prayer. Because you have to remember it's in the dying that fruitfulness comes from. But more than just fruitfulness, there's something that dying does for all, all of us. Have you seen a dying person? 
He has got nothing else to prove. But also dying makes us tender, compassionate with people. It makes us more human, more, more vulnerable. And you begin to understand the plight of others in pain and despair. You begin to understand the suffering of your fellow men. You become slow to judge. You embrace weaker believers. You have deep compassion. You begin to bear lovingly with their weaknesses. And there's no longer a, I'm better than you. You're no longer harsh in your treatment to other people. Something has happened to a little grain of weed in dying Life begins to break forth. And we need to be willing to fall into the ground and die by responding, Father, it's not my will, but yours be done. Father, don't save my life, but glorify your name. It's when we respond like that every single time that we understand what true living is. Amen? (sighs) See, a bruised seed is content just to be uh, forgotten. And if, if you're still trying to prove a point, if, if you're still trying to prove that you are right, you are still alive. But if you come to a, to a place where you are contented, contented just to be forgotten, uh, 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 apart from just with a few close friends and family, your impact is not the things you have built, but the lives of influence and the memories you create that's when you are truly hidden with Christ. Amen. And it's in that place that you become a seed that's fallen and in its place, many more seeds will spring forth. I've come to the end of my message. That's what a catalyst is. Science, right? Chem- in chemistry, you throw the, the catalyst in the the thing or whatever you call it, I'm not, I'm not, not a chemist, just fizzles, it disappears, right? But, but it creates a reaction. That's what seed does. When it dies, it disappears, but in its place, fruitfulness. I've got two reasons why I share this uh, a message. As I said, midpoint, 10 years as a church. All right, number one, are you willing to be the seed that would fall to the ground and die? That every time when you go through a circumstance that allows you to, to pray the first prayer, Father, save me from this hour. You choose to pray the second prayer, a supernatural prayer. Father, glorify your name. That's the, that's the pathway to fruitfulness. That's the first reason why I share that. But also as a church, are we willing to die to who we are? for the sake of the greater purpose of God in Singapore for the world. That the reason why we exist is not for our own fame, but for the glory of God. This is for this purpose that God has established us, the Father's glory. I want all, all of us to keep the purpose before us. It is for the glory of God that we exist. I want all of us as human beings to remember that the reason why God rescued us is so that we can live our life for His glory. Amen? So that's it. Proper response. How are you responding to life's trials? Can I have the band, please? How are you responding to setbacks? 
And I didn't, I didn't do a, a, as great a job as my pastor did. He's so eloquent when he preached that. But in my seat, as an 18-year-old boy, when I heard that, I said, God, this is it. And I want to respond like that every single time. Not my will, but your will be done. Father, don't save me from the hour. It's for this hour that I've been, that, that I've been born again. Yeah. Father, glorify your name. Every single time when I, when, when, I, when, when I feel wrong by man, I could have fought back and pushed my agenda and win. I know I could do that. I've got strength. I've got charisma. I'm attractive. <laughs> but when I choose the letter, every single time, I tell you, every single time, I always sense that in that place of dying, the Father's pleasure, every single time, when I turned the other cheek, I could, I, as I turned, I could see the Father smiling and said, You are just like my son. Every single time. And after that, you, you will see Satan falling. Hallelujah. Amen. Every single time, he lose his hold over your life. See? The thief has come to steal and destroy. All right? He wants to, to kill you. I tell the devil's plan is to kill you. But the father's plan is also to kill you. Right, you, you can either be killed by the enemy or you can willingly choose to allow God to crucify you daily. Amen? But every time you allow God to crucify you a little, a little bit, the Father's face turns towards you. The devil falls like lightning on the ground. And the kingdom of God expands. Because it's no longer about us. It's about His glory, His fame, His renown, His, His purpose in and through our lives. Amen. So let's all stand to our feet. I didn't mean to be so emotional, but you know, it's just me speaking from my heart to your heart. You know, in a time and space where you know, church becomes almost an enterprise where, you know, the cool factor, pastors with uh, cool hairstyle, with uh, cool skinny jeans from All Saints, $800 pair of shoes. I, I mean, I was just with Phil Dooley from Hillsong Church uh, last night and he was lamenting. And he's, and he's one of the coolest pastors when, when I was growing up in Hillsong, now pastoring in Cape Town. He was lamenting you know, of, uh, you know, of what he's observing from younger leaders. And he said he's concerned. Likewise, well, we want to be relevant. You will read in uh, the AGM report later from uh, Pastor Andre. But let's never lose our depth. Amen. Never lose the depth of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, and it's my prayer that you know, if we, if for the rest of time, we remain 
smaller, but our people are responding like Jesus would. Our people are loving one another and turning the other cheek and praying, Father, glorify your name in every circumstance. I think Andre and I would say that we have made it. Amen. So let's sing this song. Uh, I fast. Desmond to a play and he, he, he said blessing well, I said I'll try if it's in the key of A but let's sing this song lyrics please <laughs> amen in Christ alone will I glory though I could pride myself in the battles won for I've been blessed beyond measure and by his strength alone I overcome. And oh, I could stop and count successes like diamonds in my head. But those trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand.
us for your glory. Glorify your name through us in every circumstance, in every situation. So Father, once again, we lay down our lives voluntarily, God. Not our will, but your will be done. And Father, as a church, we lay this church down once again, God. The Lord, this church would exist for your glory. For Father, it's for this purpose that we have not been created for the, for the glory of your name. For the glory of your name. I just sense in my heart that perhaps there's some of you here who's going through a challenging time. And somehow my words uh, spoke to you that you have been praying Father, save me from this hour. Father, rescue me. But this morning, you want to change your prayer and say, Father, glorify your name. It's no longer about my preservation and me coming out unscathed. But Father, it's really for your glory. And God, as I say, Father, glorify your name. I believe, Lord, I receive your pleasure. And God, the smile from heaven. And Father, I want to see the devil being brought down in the name of Jesus. If that's you this morning, every eye closed, every head bowed. If that's you, I want to have the privilege of praying with you. All right, so every eye closed, every, every head bowed. If that's you, can you just leave your hand, please? When I see you, and I'll pray for you. Thank you very much for those hands. Thank you very, very much. Amen. Let's just pray together. God, we're changing our response this morning. Lord, it's no longer about, Father, save me from this hour. Father, rescue me from my situation. Because, Father, I know that we, when I pray that prayer, you can answer. But, Lord, this morning, there's a more excellent prayer that your Son has demonstrated for us. And that is, Father, we are saying to you, glorify your name. Glorify your name. 